Welcome to the Her Empowered Divorce Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Price, and I am the empowering divorce coach who guides you on your journey before, during, and after divorce. So you can eliminate pain, overwhelm, sadness, and anger, and create more knowledge, skill, and peace than I experienced myself. With my 30 years of divorce and empowerment coaching experience, I understand exactly what you're going through. Divorce is a difficult and emotional journey, but it can also be a time of growth and transformation. Through this podcast, you'll gain valuable insights on all aspects of divorce, from the logistical and financial to the emotional and legal. My goal is to empower you to confidently move forward in your divorce, manage your emotions, think clearly, avoid common mistakes, and ultimately create a happy and fulfilling life. With expert guests, practical advice, actionable tips, and inspiring conversations, we'll explore how to master your divorce and emerge stronger on the other side. You don't have to face this journey alone. Let's start together and create a better future for you. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, beautiful. I'm so glad you're here with me today. One of the things that kind of gets under my skin is financial abuse. And the sad thing is that so many victims don't even realize that they are being abused. And so what I wanted to do is educate us today on what is financial abuse, how you recognize it, and what you can do. And my guest today is Rhonda Nordyke, founder and CEO of the Women's Financial Wellness Center, going to talk with us today about financial abuse. So hi, Rhonda. How are you today? Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I know that we've chatted in the past and I can't wait to get your insight on this important topic. Yeah, absolutely. So can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure, absolutely. So my name is Rhonda Nordyke. I am a certified divorce financial analyst and a a really um, committed advocate for women that are contemplating or going through divorce. Um, Mm -hmm. I started my company nine years ago this month, so super excited about having (laughs) started this path um, so many years ago and really just have not looked back. Um, It's been super powerful and encouraging and, you know, certainly challenging as well. But I think we've made some good strides um, and there's a lot of work to still be done. Great. That sounds fantastic. And I love that you're so passionate about what you do because that drives everything. Yeah, certainly it it does. Right. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So what would you say is the question of all questions that you get asked most often? So the question that I get from women that reach out is, hey, Rhonda, am I am I going to be okay? Am I going to be fine? And my answer to that is, well, we have to define what fine means to you. Because I think a lot of times, yeah, I think a lot of times people hear from their attorneys, oh, you're going to be just fine. Oh, you're going to, you know, they hear from people in their circle, oh, you're going to be just fine, right? But what does that mean? I mean, I was working Mm -hmm. with a client recently who I, she was just awesome. And her husband was a retired physician. 
and she lived in what I called the castle. It was a mm-hmm. ginormous house, and she was experiencing financial abuse. And everybody else was like, hey, well, where are you going to go live? What What's the scoop with the housing? You know, blah, blah, blah. And she had no income coming in. She wasn't working. They hadn't done any, you know, temporary support apart from her being able to use wow. the joint credit card. Um, but she never, she was an authorized user, so she didn't have access to see what actually was being charged on the card in totality. She could only see, you know, her, knew what she was spending on it. And it was awful. And at the end of the day, she reached out to three different apartment complexes. Nobody would give her a rental because she didn't have any income coming in. So we strategized and were able to find a place that uh, she was able to show um, some evidence of, you know, really essentially her net worth. Um, Was able to work out a creative deal with the apartment complex that I suggested that she reach out to. And she's in a very lovely place, really vibrant little community that um, has tons of shops below where she's living, lots of energy. But I mean, seriously, if there hadn't been that aspect, they just kept saying, well, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. But nobody was really Mm -hmm. helping her navigate through. And quite frankly, she might not have been just fine if (laughs) I hadn't been able to help her navigate through some of that. Yeah, she might not have been able to find a place. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. It's crazy. So so when you talked about financial abuse and that she was being financially abused, tell us a little bit more about that and how how somebody can recognize it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so ultimately, financial abuse is a common form of abuse within the marriage. And I think it's one that often gets overlooked, right? Right. Um, I think there's a couple things that people can do to kind of recognize what exactly that is. Um, And I have an acronym for it, as I do. I just love acronyms because I think it's a great way for us to learn. But in looking at the word abuse, I have taken each of those letters and associated it with something that kind of can help people recognize it. So the A is alienates spouse from finances. So that one obviously takes the form of, gosh, I really don't know what's going on. I don't have access to passwords. I don't have access to credit card statements. I'm an authorized user and I can use the card, but I have no idea what's going on. Um, They may not have really truly seen the tax returns. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of pieces that go along with that. And then if a, if a person's husband owns, if a woman's husband owns a business, yeah, that's all usually a whole new level of, gosh, I really don't know what's going on with the finances. Cause I know he's got separate, you know, business related accounts and stuff like that. So that's the A, alienate spouse from finances. The B is believes marital money is theirs only. So a lot of times uh, the person who is kind of inflicting financial abuse is like, well, this is my money. Uh-huh. I've earned it. I've invested it. I've saved it. It's mine. So that's another kind of key subtle, right? But yet a really important opportunity for people to say, huh, is that happening? Do they believe that the money is just theirs? The you is uses the legal system to control the spouse. This is one that we could spend an entire episode on. 
Um, but ultimately it's, they, they're doing what I call the damn method, which is they're dodging the disclosures, they're avoiding getting assets valued, and they're misrepresenting information. And ultimately, many times people think, oh, well, yeah, they're not supposed to be doing that. And they're in contempt of court and all of these things. Yes. And what's being done about it? I mean, I can tell you just from my experience and the hundreds and hundreds of women that I have served, oh. nobody's spouses ended up in jail because they didn't disclose the financials. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> just saying, <laughs> and I'm sure that you've probably haven't seen that either where they're just, there's a lack of accountability. Um, and it's raising the legal fees of the victim. <clears throat> that's right. That's right. And sometimes they don't even have access to a lot of funds to be able to, you know, put in the same amount of, um, you know, financial contribution to the legal fees that maybe their spouse does. So it really is right. a, a real challenging thing. Um, the S is they seems like the victim. So this is where they position themselves as the victim. Like, oh my gosh, I, you know, this person, they're spending all this money. They're not being responsible and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, that's really what they're doing. They're just right projecting that on the other party. And then the E is evades financial uh, accuracy and transparency. So again, they're they're just avoiding being fully transparent on where the financials are and what it looks like. And that is a tricky spot to be in, for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's all about power and control, just like any other abuse is. It just manifests itself in a different way. That's right. There's yeah, so much, right. um, I think, that goes along with that in terms of mental, verbal, emotional abuse that then causes the victim to feel like whatever the abuser is saying is right because they've been conditioned over the years that maybe they don't understand money, women don't understand finance, you're not smart enough to get it, oh, I'll take care of it. You know, those kinds of things, I think, come along with it to compound the fact of the financial yeah. abuse. Hi, everyone. As parents, we often have gut feelings when something just isn't right. And this can be especially true in co-parenting arrangements where one parent is struggling with addiction. If you're co-parenting with an ex who abuses alcohol, Soberlink can help. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. The system's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test, so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and your kids are able to maintain healthy relationships with both parents. To sign up, Soberlink's offering $50 off your device for our listeners. Visit www.soberlink.com empowered, and that will be in the show notes as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of times women will say, well, you know, my husband's a business owner or my husband's a physician or my husband is a, um, you know, financial advisor and they're so smart. I'm like, okay, I'm not saying they're not smart, but they're probably not quite as smart as they've been leading you to believe that they are because it keeps you right. in a position of feeling inferior. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And I think on top of that, for generations, women and girls have been told you're not as good. You're not as good in math as the boys are. And so I think from an early age, we're groomed to think um, of that power dynamic that the men knows more, the men handles the finances, that kind of thing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's interesting, Bev, because I actually saw that when I was in the financial industry, I experienced something very similar. And that was probably what, 15 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And at the end of the day, it was I had I had studied and was taking some of the, you know, financial related exams and I took one of the mm-hmm. one that is considered to be the most challenging and I busted my butt and studied like crazy behind the scenes and I passed on the first time, which is a small percentage of people that do. And I remember you know reporting back like, "Hey, I passed. Okay, great. What's next?" and they're like, "You passed?" Like, "Oh, wow, you passed on the first time? Wow." You like you know, they were like, oh, yeah, you've got a great personality, but they did not think I would pass on the first time. And I saw little subtle things of that, even in my business relationships, that was so frustrating. And I, I know that over the years, or even to today, I have to work on my mindset around that because there was a lot of things that had happened over the years that really you those things can speak louder sometimes in your subconscious, right? Um, right. And so, you know, if anybody's watching and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I, I, I have been told that I'm not good at money or I couldn't make it on my own or I'm not smart enough or whatever, you can. Women are smart. And, you know, we can certainly help kind of navigate through and, and do some of that. But yeah, it's a it's not an easy path to overcome all of those years of being told that you're not good at math or money or finances or whatever. Right. Right. Wow. So when women come to you, what would you say are the top three financial challenges that they're facing? So there's a couple of things. Um, and you alluded to this a little bit earlier, which is the there's the intangible pieces of things. So like one of the biggest challenges I would say is confidence. And there's a mm. couple of things that go into the confidence around money and finance. And that is knowledge of the finances. Uh, experience around managing those things, which ultimately then leads to the confidence. And I always say, you know, if we have the knowledge without the experience, it's theory. If we have the experience without the knowledge, it's trial and error, right? But when we get the two things working together, you've got the solid knowledge and the solid experience, it builds and, and we, it manifests as confidence, which is great. So I would say that's probably one of the number one things. The second financial challenge is often understanding the financial aspects as it relates to the divorce process. What questions to be asking, um, how to gather and organize the information, how to access the information, how how to analyze it, and really how to negotiate once you get kind of a lay of the land, right? How do you negotiate those things? And recently I was working with a client whose husband owned a business and he hired an expert to value his business. No problem. The report came back and they said, well, here's what the number is of the business. And she and I met and we kind of looked at it. And I said, well, I think there's a couple additional questions that we need to be asking. Unfortunately, this gal's attorney was like, well, 
why are you asking these questions? We use this business valuation expert all the time. I'm comfortable using her number, Mm. blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'm not saying the business valuation expert did anything wrong, but you have a right to ask questions. You have a right to engage, right? Your own expert to at least review the report. So we pushed back on it. I helped her craft some emails to the attorney around the financial aspects and the attorney said, fine, to appease you. No, there's no appeasing, but okay, to appease you, we'll get another expert. So they did. And this was the best part was my client was in a three-way meeting with the new business valuation expert, her attorney, and her. She and the business valuation expert are having conversations. She knew the lingo. She knew the acronyms. She knew what questions to be asking because we had done all this work behind the scenes. At one point, the attorney says, time out. What is this term that you guys keep using? What does that mean? Oh. And I thought, you know what? Exactly. So the business valuation expert that she was working with said, hey, listen, I've reviewed the report. I definitely have some additional questions. From what I can tell, the business valuation that was presented is very conservative. And I think it's, I think it's light to the tune of about $200,000. So we were able to move the needle. 200K. And just by asking the right questions, having a strategy, you know, all of those kinds of things. And it was like, I got the message from her and I was like, yes, like, yes, because those are the things that are difficult for people to push back or even know what questions to be asking. So I become, you know, the sounding board for them, kind of the hub, right? Where, hey, I've got this information, now what? Hey, I've got this information, now what? Right. Um, so I think that, you know, certainly is a piece of it. And then the, the last part is um, the other financial challenge is knowing what they should be asking related to support. Now, each state has their own calculation and it's, you know, depends right. on a lot of different factors. But there's more than one way to run those calculations. The output of the calculators is only as good as the numbers we're putting into the calculator. And there's always a best and a worst case scenario. And I don't think people always, you know, understand what that means. It's, hey, here's the support calculation and here's what you'll be getting each month and blah, blah, blah. Well, okay. There's a series of questions we can ask related to that. And we've been able to move the needle there significantly as well. Because again, you know, at the end of the day, the passion that I have for helping women comes from, listen, I'm done with the whole concept that women's Lifestyle goes down 41% after the divorce is over. Mm-hmm. I'm right. done with people saying, hey, oh, yeah, can you help me? I just signed the agreement, and they're reaching out for the first time. And I have to look at a marital settlement agreement that just makes me sick because they've agreed to mm-hmm. things that they shouldn't have. So right. we really need to be doing a better job of, and I don't want to say convincing, but influencing people to say, before I even start the process, or when I'm very early on in the process, I need to make sure that I've got the right things in place, the right people in place, because otherwise they're going to call me, they're going to call you, and they're going to say, hey, I've I've spent 20, 30, 40, 50 grand. I've got nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. I'm being bullied into making final decisions. And and you add on top of that the financial abuse that's been happening all along. They're just not usually confident or strong enough to stand up for themselves. Not saying they can't. They just need an advocate in those moments for extra strength. 
Absolutely. And I always uh, tell my clients that I think now you need a core divorce team. And that consists of a coach, a CDFA, and a legal representative. And those three complement each other. They don't compete with each other, but they, they come together to create the best result for the client. A hundred percent. And that's one of the things that we teach in my program, right? Is, hey, who's your core team? And then who's your add-on team? Because there will be ancillary people that they may need right. depending on their situation, right? But, you know, they there's really three divorces that are happening simultaneously. There's the legal one, the financial one, and then the emotional one, right? And so right. I am a hundred percent on board with that concept too. And people um, have a better Again, they've got the team of people that's working together on their behalf. The process is better. The people are better, right? Because they're committed to that team approach and the outcome is better. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Now, you talk so much about helping women in specifics. Is there anything else you want to add about how you help women going through divorce? Many people feel divorce is a death sentence, but with the right support and guidance, you can move through the process with knowledge, skills, and confidence. It can also be a time of growth and progress. As a divorce and empowerment coach, I'm an invaluable member of your divorce team. I help you understand and navigate the process, come to terms with your emotions, avoid costly mistakes, learn skills to help you communicate and negotiate, find your true voice, and create an empowered life post-divorce. If you're interested in learning more, schedule a free consultation at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com. So I would say the biggest thing is I I have a couple different ways that I will help them. One is I do certainly have a program called Bridge that we're taking them through a process related to the finances. Um, That has been wildly successful. And the cool part about it is the process that now is called Bridge is something that I developed nine years ago when I was first starting my business and I've taken I mean, hundreds and hundreds of women through, but now it has a name, right? So the bridge program is intended to be structured yet flexible, give them education around the process, give them the questions to be asking in a systematized way. In addition to that, I will also work with them one-on-one where they can add on and it's called Bridge Plus. So it's the group program plus four private sessions. And that's where we dive into crunching the numbers and looking at more details on options for property division and additional options for support. And what, if they accept the support proposal as it is, what does it mean for them? Bottom line, dollars and cents. Um, And so I would say the thing that people are saying is that they not only are appreciating the advocacy piece, but they're really feeling more confident. They're Mm -hmm. getting their mojo back, right? They're, They're leaning into the finances. And I have always said, even from day one, listen, if I can empower one woman that's going through the divorce process to have a better relationship with money, I've empowered her for a lifetime. Because when the divorce is over, you know, I do a wrap up. I make sure she gets pointed in the right direction. But at that point, my role is done. And I start over with somebody else. 
right? And so, you know, I've got a limited amount of time to really make an impact um, that, that really they can take with them after the divorce is over. Absolutely. Um, so if you could share just one thing with women who are thinking about divorce, what would you say? The one thing that I would say is don't sell yourself short on investing in what you need to make sure that this process goes as smoothly as possible for you. I think a lot of times when people are in the beginning stages of contemplation, there's a couple things that happen. One is they're hopeful that suddenly their spouse is going to have this wonderful epiphany and they're going to be able to skip through the tulips and, you know, have these great conversations and get along. And the harsh reality of it is that might not happen because right. it hasn't happened. Right. So, um, so I would just say, you know, be, um, be open to making sure that you've got the right team of people and don't wait because, you know, I, I've had a couple people reach out recently and they're like, yeah, I've got trial in two weeks. Right. Um, it's not going to be a whole lot that you and I at that point are going to be able to do for them. Right. Right. First of all, they might not even be able to get into our calendars. And secondly, um, you know, there's been so much that's already been done. Now, as long as the agreements haven't been signed, do I think there's always something that we can influence? Sure. But it's that's challenging. So don't wait. Don't wait till you've spent 10, 20, 30,000. Don't wait until, you know, exactly. you feel like you're backed up against a wall and you're being, don't, just don't wait. Take action early on and be proactive instead of constantly feeling like you're being reactive. Absolutely. Such great advice. So then there's always the next step, right? The next move they can make. What's your advice on that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a couple things. I mean, but the main thing for me is, okay, let's make sure that we are um, navigating through that. So certainly the next step is they can reach out. Um, they can take our next best move quiz which is, you know, helping them navigate through, hey, what is your next best move? And, um, and then once they do that, they will be directed into the next thing that they can be doing. I think that's an important point, right? Like, what's the next thing you can be doing? Because it certainly can be super right. overwhelming. Absolutely. But we can help them take that next best move. And, and really, every next best move from that point on, <laughs> you know, it's a series of questions around that what's next. And I think overwhelm is so common when you're starting a divorce, not only from the the technical understanding terminology, but just life, learning how to cope without someone sharing the tasks, learning how to deal with things you've never dealt before. So anything that can chip away at that overwhelm, I'm just totally in favor of. Absolutely. So I always like to ask my guests for three actionable tips that women can use right away to improve their journey. And what would you suggest? So I was thinking about this because I think there's a lot of things that people could do, right? But I, I am very much in alignment with your mindset too. It's like, okay, we need small actionable steps. 
So the first thing is, now again, this is related to our topic today, right, which is the financial abuse aspect. So the first thing is women can uh, request their credit report and they can also download Credit Karma. Now, the reason I like Credit Karma versus just getting the report is it's proactive. So if there are changes, it's going to push out a notification. It's free. I love it. I've been using it for probably eight years just as a test, and it's it's been fantastic. So that's one thing. The second thing is um, women become really good private investigators when they have to be. And so just a heightened sense of watching the mail, watching, you know, the, oh, look what was open on the computer. Oh, look what was on the, pre-, you know, just being extra aware. And the subset to that is um, getting an app. So you can you can get a it's called Tiny Scanner. There's a bunch of them. I like Tiny Scanner, and it's an app you can put on your phone that you could take pictures of documents. Now that can get a little bit tricky if you're all kind of on the same plan or whatever. So you have to right, kind of monitor right. that. But it's a great way for people to start kind of building that repository of documents or things that they might be finding. Um, and the last thing is requesting IRS transcripts. As long as you filed joint, right, for uh, last year, you can go to the IRS directly and request the transcripts, and you don't need your spouse's signature to do that. One other thing that we learned recently, uh, for anybody that's listening that has a child that's going to be going to college, and you're filling out the, that blasted FAFSA form, which is just right. so much Painful. work. Painful, right? Um, I had a client that was doing that that reached out and she hadn't had access to the finances and was experiencing financial abuse, um, but she was filling out that paperwork. And the way that they've structured that, which is a whole lot different than, you know, when we were filling it out, is it's actually connected to the IRS website. So if you put in certain parameters, it will pull in the most recent tax information. So she was sitting there filling out the form for her child to go to college and uh that auto populated and she sent me a message she goes Rhonda for the first time I saw what the actual income is and I feel sick to my stomach because I have been led to believe that you know I'm spending too much on groceries and you know blah 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 and this is just super eye-opening um the one thing that I will say about you know as they're doing those things is again, kind of back to the, to bring it back to the emotional part, you can get that information, right? You can get the tax returns, you can get the credit karma, you can get, you know, find documents and all that stuff. The question is, what do you do when you find it? And I don't mean logistically, what do you do with it? I mean, emotionally, because you're probably going to feel like you got sucker punched. You're probably going to feel like you've been led to believe that there's nothing there. And now you're sitting on a, a much larger estate or much larger income than you thought. Um, or on the flip side, <clears throat> there's a lot more debt than what you've been led to believe. And I think we're just, we're not always prepared emotionally on how to do that. Um, I know one just simple thing that I will tell my clients is, you know, just one of the things you can say is, huh, isn't that interesting? Rather than what the, you know, mm-hmm. it helps neutralize a little bit, but that's where somebody like you comes in because it is very overwhelming. And um, so anyways, those are the three kind of just really simple, practical things that that I would suggest. Yeah, I always like to suggest looking at things from a curiosity standpoint rather than a self-judgment standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Yep. 
Absolutely. Rhonda, you are so incredibly knowledgeable and have helped so many women. I'm sure some in our audience are going to want to connect with you. How can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to go is probably my website, uh, wfwcdivorce.com. A couple of things that they can check out there. Uh, there's more information about our bridge program. Certainly my podcast, which we just renamed mm-hmm. Disrupting Divorce, Conversations Ooh. for Women. Yes. And the blog articles as well. So lots of information that they can check out there. Um, but would love to would love to have a conversation and, you know, see kind of where they're at and how we might be able to help them. Is there anything else you'd like to share? I think you might have mentioned a master class. Yes, absolutely. So the master class is also available on the website under the Bridge Experience. Um, so certainly that's something that they can check out there and it's free. Wow, that's great. Thank you so much for being my guest today. This has been just a very incredibly helpful session, both on financial abuse and also just preparation for divorce that I think is incredible. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you for having me. And to our listeners, thank you so much for being with Rhonda and me on this episode of Her Empowered Divorce. All of Rhonda's information will be available in the show notes along with mine. And this and all our episodes can be found at HerEmpowerDivorce.com on the podcast page or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can also watch the video version on our YouTube channel, Her Empowered Divorce. Please share this story with your friends so that we can reach out and help as many women as possible. And join me for our next episode where I'll be diving deeper into what other expert professionals can share to help you on your journey. And remember, you can find more information about how my divorce and empowerment coaching can help you eliminate pain and overwhelm and create more knowledge and happiness at Her Empowered Divorce. And if you're wondering how a divorce can help you, just look for my free ebook called Why a Divorce Coach. The link is in the show notes as well. Until next time, stay empowered. Hello, Empowered Women. I'm Susan Guthrie, and with over 30 years as a leading family law attorney and mediator, I've stood by many as they navigated the intricate paths of divorce. That's why I created the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Drawing from my own expert insights and bringing in some of the country's top voices on divorce and its many facets, we aim not just to help you endure the storm, but to rise and shine brighter than ever in your beautiful beyond. If you are a regular on Her Empowered Divorce with Beverly Price, you already value empowerment during these challenging transitions. Together, our podcasts form a safety net, ensuring you don't just survive, but you thrive. So take my hand and let's journey together. Listen to Divorce and Beyond wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Remember, the best is yet to come in your beautiful beyond. You can find the podcast on all major podcast outlets or on the website, divorceandbeyond.com. 
Thank you for listening to the Her Empowered Divorce Podcast. Remember, divorce doesn't have to be a death sentence. With the right support and guidance, you can move through the process with knowledge, skills, and confidence. It can also be a time of growth and empowerment. As a divorce coach, I'm the first call you should make when you are contemplating divorce as the next steps will take and set the stage for your entire divorce and life after. I help you understand and navigate the process, come to terms with your emotions, and avoid costly mistakes. Find your true voice and create an empowered life post-divorce. If you're interested in learning more, schedule a free consultation at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com. Take care.